Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you, J.M., for kicking off this Friday edition of Locked On Mariners. I am D.C. Lundberg, here to tell you about the previous couple of days in Mariner land and also to answer some of your questions in the Friday mailbag segment. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or your podcasting app of choice. Also remember that you can ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast. It is as simple as that. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter also at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G if you are scoring at home. Three games to discuss in the last couple of days since the Mariners played two split squad games yesterday. We will begin, however, on Wednesday, where the Mariners played the Cincinnati Reds, a group of communist sympathizers in southwest Ohio. Starting pitcher for the Mariners that day was Justin Dunn, who pitched two innings, gave up two hits and a walk, and a run it was earned and struck out two. He was followed by Wee-Yin Chen, who also pitched two innings and gave up two walks, but nothing more. Also pitching for the Mariners were Yoshihisa Hirano, Taylor Gilbo, Brandon Brennan, Dan Altavilla, and Devin Sweet. Jose Siri checked in with a home run, and Evan White, Carlos Gonzalez, and Tim Lopes all hit doubles. Jake Fraley also checked in with a base hit, as did Daniel Vogelback. Patrick Wisdom also with a hit, and Siri and Lopes both had two hits. Dylan Moore also checking in with a base hit. On the negative side, the Mariners did leave 15 runners on base, but hey, they got the win, 5-3. Also in this game, Dylan Moore had to leave after stealing second base. His head hit the knee of Reds shortstop Jose Garcia. Moore will miss at least the next few days and will undergo concussion tests. Moore is competing for the utility role, which may be the final roster spot. I'll update you on his status early next week when the Mariners issue a report. Moving on to Thursday, the Mariners had a pair of split squad games yesterday. The first one I'll speak about is their game against the Chicago White Sox, a group of Windy City laundry enthusiasts. Starting pitcher for the Mariners was LJ Newsom, who pitched two scoreless innings, gave up two hits, and struck out two. He was followed by Anthony Misevich, who pitched one inning, gave up a run. Yes, it was earned. Two hits, one strikeout for him. Penn Murphy went one scoreless inning while striking out two, issuing a walk. Gerson Bautista, a scoreless inning. Jack Anderson, a scoreless inning. Darren Giles pitched two-thirds of an inning and was not very good. Three earned runs, two hits, two home runs, and a, a walk. The inning was cleaned up by Ryan Inman, who retired the only batter he faced. Lewis Head pitched one inning and gave up a run. And the final pitcher, who pitched two-thirds of an inning, was Jake Haberer or Haberer. I am not sure how to pronounce that. He gave up a game-winning single, as a matter of fact. Cal Raleigh and Jake Fraley both checked in with home runs. Malik Smith picked up his first hit of the spring. Vogelback with another hit. Patrick Wisdom checked in with a hit, as did Colin Cowgill and Donnie Walton. Mariners lost 6-5 on that walk-off single that I noted earlier. The other game of the day took place at the Mariners' home facility in Peoria against the San Francisco Giants, a group of Bay Area natives with overactive pituitary glands. Starting pitcher for the Mariners in this game was one of their top prospects, Logan Gilbert. He pitched two scoreless innings, giving up a hit. He struck out one. He was followed by Carl's Jr., well, Carl Edwards Jr., that is, pitching one inning, striking out two, gave up a hit. Sam Plain also pitched a scoreless inning while striking out one. 
Taylor Williams, who the Mariners claimed off waivers from the Brewers, also pitched an inning. However, he gave up two runs and three hits while striking out one. Didn't walk anybody, though. Johan Ramirez came in for an inning, gave up a run, a hit, and a walk. He did strike out the side, however, so that's a positive. And I apologize to this next pitcher because I am going to butcher his name. I'll give it my best shot. Deus, Deus and Arias. It's spelled D-A-Y-E-I-S-O-N. Arias I have no problem with. It's the first name. In any case, he did pitch an inning, gave up three hits, a run, struck out two. Colin Kober then came in for a scoreless inning. Aaron Fletcher then wrapped up the game, giving up one run in his one inning of work. The only extra base hit in this game came courtesy of second baseman Shed Long Jr., who hit a double, also walked and scored two runs. Carl Crawford checked in with a base hit, as did Kyle Seeger. Minor leaguer Nick Zamarelli III checked in with a base hit. Jared Kelnick went one for three. And the final two hits were had by Jose Siri and Julio Rodriguez. This game held a special place in the heart for Mariners outfielder Braden Bishop. His brother Hunter Bishop is a minor leaguer in the Giants system, and he was called up to Giants camp prior to this game, and they played against each other for the first time in their lives. Braden is five years older, so they had always missed each other by one year in high school or college. They had never played against each other until this day. They were both the starting center fielders for their respective teams. So very special day for both Hunter Bishop and Braden Bishop. Super cool stuff. Speaking of super cool stuff, the Mariners trivia question. Upon Edgar Martinez's retirement in 2004, or after the 2004 season, Commissioner Bud Selig renamed the Outstanding Designated Hitter of the Year Award the Edgar Martinez Award. Who was the first Mariner to receive the Outstanding Designated Hitter or Edgar Martinez Award? I will let you know who it is after the break. And remember that if you have a question for me or a comment on the show, email me at LockedOnMariners at gmail.com and I'll consider reading your question or comment for the Friday Mailbag segment. And since today is Friday, after the answer to the trivia question, I will be replying to your emails. Locked On Mariners will continue as soon as I hear from John and Fife. He didn't send any questions this time. Hey gang, this is DC Lundberg from Locked On Mariners. In case you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a commercial break. But really, if you haven't noticed, you've got to be one of the least observant people on Earth. But anyways, if you've been listening to this show or the other wonderful programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network, then I'm positive that you have heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you might not know that Locked On Mariners is a great way for your local business to reach passionate M's fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a locked on podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Mariners fans and a predominantly male, well educated audience with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. 
Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you and thank you for listening. Now time for the second half of Locked On Mariners. Once again, your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you again, J.M. This is indeed the second half of Locked On Mariners. Just about time to dip into the Friday mailbag segment, but before that happens, I must give you the answer to the Mariners trivia question. Who was the first Mariner to win the Outstanding Designated Hitter of the Year Award, now known as the Edgar Martinez Award? It was former Tiger Willie Horton, way back in 1979. Horton had previously won the award in 1975. A little bit of unfinished business to take care of before we get to this week's batch of questions. A little cleanup from the last Friday mailbag. I owe an apology to Fred in LaPush. I misunderstood his question. He asked me who the single season singles leader was. And of course I said, oh, that's easy. It's Ichiro. He has a single season hits record. Not so much. He does have the single season hits record. That is not what Fred asked. However, the answer still is Ichiro in 2004. He had 225 singles that year. Wee Willie Keeler is second on that list in 1898 with 206. The only other time a player has had over 200 singles in a season was Ichiro once again in 2007. Once again to Fred from LaPush, sorry for misunderstanding the question. Now to this week's batch of questions, and amazingly, I don't have any from John in Fife. However, I do have some very good questions from several other people, and I will get to those now. We will begin with Ryan from the good old city of Tenaino, who checks in with a hot take. He ponders, would you be willing to build a package of Sheffield, Seeger, and Malik Smith together to get a big-name arm or infielder like Francisco Lindor? This would be for around next year when Kelnick is ready for MLB time. The short answer is yes, but that's not feasible. The only name that was mentioned coming back is Francisco Lindor, so I'll talk about him specifically. The only reason the Indians were shopping him is because he's in the last year of his contract. And since no trade developed, now they're talking extension with him. The other problem that you would run into specifically with Lindor is I'm pretty sure that they would have to have a shortstop coming back. That means J.P. Crawford in all likelihood, and I would not want to include him in any package. And as far as getting a big-name arm with that type of package, that's just never going to happen. The asking price for any premium arm is going to be much, much higher than that just because pitching is at the premium that it is. You would probably have to include Kelnick in that type of deal or Julio Rodriguez. Plus, I can't see any team at this point wanting to take on Kyle Seeger, given his production the last couple seasons, he'd have to have at least a decent season this year, injury-free, and the Mariners would also have to continue to pay probably at least, oh, at least a quarter of his salary, maybe even half, and that's in addition to Kelnick or Rodriguez and another top-name prospect in addition to the names that were already mentioned. Pitching is unfortunately very, very expensive. You would be very hard-pressed to find a general manager who would even consider giving up an arm for that type of package. 
Ryan, thank you for checking in. Sorry to kind of dash your dreams. We will go to Nick, who checks in and says, Thank you very much for the lesson in pronouncing Japanese player names. It shows great respect when you make an effort to pronounce someone's name properly. While watching the Mariners' spring training game against the Rangers today, February 23rd, we put in a pitcher named Yoshihisa Hirano. How do you pronounce his name properly? Thanks. This one is pretty straightforward, especially the surname, Hirano. The only thing that you're going to run into with the given name is the I in the SHIs because it's not elongated. Therefore, it is Yoshihisa. And this was not an email or a Twitter question, but I will relay part of a phone conversation I had with my friend Jason Hernandez, who hosts the Locked On Anaheim Ducks program right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He asked me how to pronounce the former New York Yankee known as Godzilla because of the U in the name M-A-T-S-U-I. I don't know if JD intended for this to be on the show or not, but since it was a really, really good question, I'm going to include it. It is pronounced Matsui. Next question comes to us from Roger in the Dalles, Oregon, a beautiful part of the country if you've never been there. He asks, what approach would you take to running a farm system? How long would you take to bring players up to the majors? Roger, that's a very good question to which I'm going to give a lousy answer, unfortunately. I can't really say how I'd run an entire farm system. I don't know. The only part of that that I can even sort of answer is that I am of the school that it's better to hold a player back in the minors rather than bring him up to the majors too soon. There shouldn't be a set timetable either. Everyone develops at their own pace. I used to be a preschool teacher, and if you try a blanket approach to teach everyone, you're not going to be successful. Everyone learns at his or her own pace. Some kids need more patience than others. Some prospects need more minor league seasoning than others. Juan Soto was ready for the majors at a very early age, yet Max Muncy of the Dodgers wasn't successful at the big league level until he was in his age 27 season. Jamie Moyer was a really late bloomer. He turned a corner in his mid-30s and made his first all-star team at age 40. You just can't force it. Thank you, Roger. Next question comes to us from Lee, who asks, Now that Felix is ancient history, who will be our new ace or ace in training? What's your take on all these young guys, and do you think DePoto has the right formula for a winning team in the next few years? Wow, a lot to break down in this one. Felix hasn't really been ace-worthy in a number of years, maybe not since um, 2015, his last All-Star season. The last couple years, he's been bad and the year before that, he was mediocre at best with some injury problems. Marco Gonzalez is the Mariners' number one starter, kind of by default, I think, on most big league staffs. On most good big league staffs, at least, I think he's a number two guy. Marco's a very capable big league pitcher, so he is not a bad option for the Mariners at number one. He's kind of a de facto ace. The Mariners are never going to be able to afford a bona fide number one ace just because pitching has gotten so expensive over the last couple of years. And honestly, I don't mean to bag on Marco Gonzalez. I like Marco, but he is more of a pitch-to-contact guy, which most ace pitchers are not, although the pitch-to-contact guys who have good control, good movement, mix their pitches well, those are the type of pitchers I prefer over power pitchers anyway. As for the other part of the question, my take on all the youngsters, I did a series of shows a few weeks ago breaking down the infield, the outfield, the pitching, and the catchers, and I spoke about some of the prospects in those shows, and it would take far too long for me to talk about in this mailbag segment, so I would suggest going back and listening to those programs for my take on the young guys. 
Thank you again, Lee, for submitting that question. Good question. We're going to jump over to Twitter for the lone Twitter question I got this week, and it comes to us from Taylor Blake Ward, the host of Locked on Angels, which you can listen to right here on this very Locked on Podcast Network. He asks me, multiple players with Rookie of the Year opportunities, which one has the best odds? Well, I would surmise that it's probably either Evan White or Kyle Lewis at this point, although I'm going to save this one and answer it again right before the regular season commences because my answer may very well change depending on who has a good spring, who has a bad spring. Let's see what happens. Thank you again, Taylor. Always good to hear from you. Follow him on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward and do listen to Locked on Angels right here on the Locked on Podcast Network or T-L-O-P-N or Tloppin. We have two silly questions, or not, I shouldn't say silly questions, but we have two miscellaneous questions, we'll say, to wrap up this week's mailbag, the first of which comes to us from Jim in Enumclaw, Washington. He asks, pizza or pasta? What toppings on pizza? What type of pasta? Well, Jim, you have hit on an area that uh, <laughs> uh, pizza or pasta, both. It kind of depends on what mood I'm in. My go-to pizza toppings are bacon, olives, and pineapple. And if they have it, garlic. I love garlic. As a matter of fact, I had pizza for lunch with my brother yesterday in Coeur d'Alene. And the best pizza I've ever had outside of New York is in Ellensburg, Washington, right across the street from Central Washington University. I don't want to say the name of the place because they're not a sponsor. Hopefully they will be, however, so I can say their name. And as far as what pasta I like, I'm really not that picky. I do like meat sauce, occasionally vodka sauce, uh, no cheese on top. I'm not a big Alfredo guy. It's too cheesy for my tastes. I do like zucchini noodles once in a while also, sautéed with some garlic. And Jim, now I'm hungry, so thank you for sending that question in. Uh, I wish I hadn't eaten my leftover pizza because I need it now. In In any case, Brett from Graham, Washington, sends us the last question. Simply, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, since I didn't realize Lent was kind of imminent until about two and a half hours before it was supposed to commence, I kind of had to go to my standby, which is soda and french fries. Thank you to everyone who sent in a question for this Friday's mailbag segment. If you want to participate, it's very easy. Just send an email to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. I do have a programming note to pass along. The series of shows that was going to be next week, talking about the top Mariner at each position, those series of shows have been pushed back at least one week, so please be on the lookout for those later on during spring training. It's going to be a regular slate of shows next week, hopefully with an episode of Diamond Quiz included. Also remember that you can download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally like to use. Also remember to ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other great programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Listen to each and every one of them. Tell your friends, family, neighbors, people you don't know. Tell Roger Pavlik to listen to the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Mariners specifically, of course. Also, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and me at DC underscore Lundberg. That'll wrap it up for this edition of Locked On Mariners. It'll also wrap it up for the week. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 